0: Hey y'all, it's Rin and this is the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. Well, welcome back to the podcast, friend. I am excited to be here for the last episode in our summer podcast series. My Enneagram expert friend, Michelle Dyer, has been coming on every week in this summer to discuss the Enneagram. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, the Enneagram is a personality typing system, and it's a great way for you to understand your motivations, your strengths, your weaknesses, and how the gospel can Transform you. So, we have done nine other episodes. Today is the 10th episode, and it is the question and answer one. I am so excited because you have had questions, and so now we're going to hear Michelle's answers. I'm sorry, I'm talking with my hands, y'all. I'm getting real excited. But If you haven't listened to any of them, go back to episodes 87 through 95, and you can catch every single Enneagram type 1 through 9. Okay, well, let's start this episode. I'm super excited. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for showing up this summer. Y'all have been incredible, and I'm so glad that this podcast series has been helpful to you. I've learned so much. Okay, let's get started. Here's my conversation with Michelle.
1: Well, welcome back to the podcast, Michelle. Can you believe we are where we are at the end of these sessions? I'm so sad it's ending. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me.
0: It's been great. And I'm so appreciative of you for coming on and giving me your time and giving my listeners your time and all your wisdom and all your knowledge about the Enneagram. It has been excellent.
1: You know, I love to talk about it. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thanks so much
0: been great. Okay, so this is our final episode on the Enneagram. This is the the episode I have asked you to come back on and answer some of my
1: listeners' questions. I love it. Such great questions. I'm excited.
0: Good. I've sent the questions to you, and um, I cannot wait to hear these answers that you're going to give us. Well, hopefully they're decent answers, so I'm sure. What
1: we can learn together.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, let's dive in, but before we do, Could you go through the Enneagram types, the nine different types, and just tell us what they are called and also maybe just like a bullet point, real quick short answer about that specific Enneagram, just so we can refresh our memory.
1: For sure. Okay, so we'll just start and kind of go around the the circle um, in order. Perfect. So the one, um, often known as the Reformer or the Strict Perfectionist, Um, They're conscientious, they're critical in terms of their thinking. So, you know, lots of analysis, lots of detail-oriented attention there. Mm -hmm. They're somewhat controlling about things because they tend to look at the world and see what is broken and how to fix it. So natural problem solvers. Um, These folks really are driven by the need to do what is right and to do the good thing. To do the best thing that they can. So they're somewhat idealistic as well. Okay. Number two, the twos are, um, they are the helper. The considerate helper is another name that they're known by. Mm. They are demonstrative, they're generous, they're warm-hearted, friendly people. And so really driven a lot by um you know, developing others and seeing the possibilities or the potential in others. So they're really driven by wanting to be liked, wanting to be appreciated. And so they're very relational in terms of how they go about life. So that is our twos. Okay. Our threes are the achievers or sometimes known as the competitive achiever. They're ambitious they are focused. They're shrewd individuals in terms of being able to look at the world and see how to get what they are aiming to or aiming toward. Mm. So they're very success oriented, and you know they're driven people. So they accomplish a lot in a day, and they really are driven to um, to really shine and to really just kind of come across as having it together okay Mm. all right our fours fours are the individualist or the intense creative is the other name that they're known by Mm -hmm. fours are very um, sensitive they're emotional they're introspective They think inwardly a lot in terms of what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. They're generally creative people, expressive. And so, fours really are folks that want, above all else, to be unique, to be one of a kind, Mm. or also known as the investigator. These folks are really driven by their intellect. They're driven by understanding of the world and they're knowledgeable people, sometimes described as being cerebral. Mm. But many times they're very private people and they oftentimes will want to keep to themselves and they, they may come across as being a little more detached, but mm. their prime um mode of operation in life is really to gain understanding about the world around them. Okay. Okay. Then there's the six, the loyalist or sometimes called the loyal skeptic. So sixes are cautious individuals. They are um, alert. They're observant of the world around them. They're very engaged in the world in terms of thinking about who, what is best for the group. You know, what should I do that will be the greatest good? So, sixes really, you know, they strive their whole lives really to create safety and belonging for not just themselves, but for those around them as well. Mm. Yeah. All right. Now, the sevens, sevens are known as the uh, enthusiast or sometimes known as the enthusiastic visionary. Mm-hmm. And sevens are optimistic, spontaneous, uninhibited. They are just, you know, sometimes coy and sly as a fox. You know, they just make, go through life being graceful, looking Mm. for opportunities, wanting and longing above all else to have just this experiential life where they just get to live life large and experience life to the fullest. Mm. Eights, then, are the active controller, or sometimes known as the challenger. Eights are self-assured, assertive, decisive. They're very direct individuals and sometimes willful and even confrontational. So Mm. these are large and in charge people. In fact, they kind of go about life wanting to be in control, wanting to be strong, um, Mm. and more than anything they just don't want to be controlled so that drives them a lot in Mm. what they do on a daily basis okay and the last certainly not the least is the nine the peacemaker um or the adaptive peacemaker is sometimes how i've heard them termed these are patient non-aggressive easygoing people um They're oftentimes somewhat self-effacing, they're compliant, and their goal really oftentimes is to, um, you know, find the common ground between all sides of a story or to find a way to bring people together in agreement. So Mm -hmm. their primary mode of operation in life is keeping balance, you know, and keeping, and... I would even go so far as to say safety and um, and even comfort at times. Okay. So that's a quick
0: synopsis of each. Okay, of them. that's great. That is so good. I cannot believe we have talked about each and every one of those in detail.
1: <laughs> I love that. great that's great.
0: Too. So if we have anybody that is listening that has not caught one of these. Um, or if you just heard the Enneagram kind of synopsis, you were like, oh, wait, that's me. Go back to those episodes. We started at episode 87 and we have continued to um, episode 96 as we are right now. So, OK, let's jump into these questions that my listeners have sent in and I can't wait to hear. So let's jump in. OK, this is my, from my listener, Audra. Audrey says, what if we have a number that scores close to our primary number? How does that play into our Enneagram type? She's a four, but she scored almost as high on the
1: nine. Okay.
0: What would you say? Well,
1: that is actually quite common. Um, Generally, none of us is going to score in a way that is just, you know, off the charts on these Um, without a close second and maybe even a close third behind. Okay. If you remember with the Enneagram, we talked at some point about the fact that the goal with Enneagram is to help us integrate characteristics from the other types in order to create character building, in order to create growth. We want to find characteristics from the other types, really, that we need to adopt, maybe to Rub off some of the rough edges, you know, or to help us react in a new and different way. So all that to say, we're going to have some of these, probably at least two, maybe three that run a very close second and third. And you'll see a lot of characteristics from that type, whatever's closest in the score, you'll see a lot of characteristics pop into your personality, your style, um, that come from those other numbers and those other types. And that's really a very good thing. Honestly, one of the things I appreciate most about the Enneagram is that it gives allowance for all of us to be incredibly complex beings, which we are. Hmm. None of us is just like another person. Yeah. Um, So I think that when you give, when you're given that, we all have a close scoring second and third type, plus we have our subtype, plus we have, um, you know, whether or not we are um, going to our wings or to our lines of integration. There's just a lot of complexity mm. to look at there to help us be able to grow and adapt. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of a, a long answer to say. She's going to experience that she'll have a lot of characteristics from that type. And I think the great news is the awareness there Mm -hmm. can be, goodness sake, I can behave like this when Mm -hmm. I need to, and that's not going to feel so uncomfortable for me. It's almost going to feel second nature still. Yeah. So my close running second, I'm a two, Mm -hmm. but I'm score almost equally on seven and nine. Okay. Right below it. And that would look much different than if I scored very closely on four and um, six, for example. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it can help explain why two people can both be twos and still look so different.
0: Okay, yes, yes. That makes and, sense.
1: And yet, you can know that at the end of the day, what's really going to drive that person, that two is being liked, being helpful, seeing potential in people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that commonality that, that still helps you understand what makes that person tick.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. That's awesome. All right. Okay. Next question. This is from my friend Jenny that you know as well. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, Jenny.
1: Good question. Here. Her
0: question. Okay. As a type two, when people I know are suffering... I often feel their pain. It's often hard for me to process their suffering in a healthy way. Instead of processing it, I often take on their pain. How do I empathize in a healthy way, but not let it affect my everyday
1: life? I thought this was such a compelling question, and possibly because I'm a two and processing this very same question myself. Okay. Um, But I think one thing about twos is that we struggle with a very unique kind of pride and it's not pride like i'm the best or you know i'm thinking that i'm so much better than someone else it's actually more subtle in that we tend to feel like um if like nobody else is going to do it so i'm going to do it it's my job i mm-hmm. take on you know the responsibility i call it my overdeveloped sense of responsibility Mm -hmm. Um, i take on things burdens that are not mine to bear Mm. and so it is something that i did not even realize other people don't necessarily do that right they can separate themselves from it they don't have to own that it's very hard for a two to not own it so um they we have to just acknowledge those feelings I think that, and and name it, and say, when we are in a situation where we feel someone's pain, we need to take time to pause and explore those feelings of burden, or heaviness, or anxiety, name those things, and then apply logic to those feelings. For example, um, I have a friend who just lost a child, and I have really been almost depressed the last few days feeling Mm -hmm. and thinking about that and what I needed to do was step into my four Mm -hmm. and analyze those feelings because that's what fours do fours go introspective and that is our point of growth for twos one of the points of growth gotcha Um, And so doing that, that's kind of another example of how those lines of integration work. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can look at whatever your type is, what your lines of integration are, you can learn where do I need to stop and reevaluate according to how that type would handle it. So the four would handle it by analyzing those feelings, processing those feelings, where a two might not ordinarily do that. Okay. Okay. And um, then I can apply logic to those feelings and say, that is not something that I need to, that's not a burden I need to bear. I need mm-hmm. to get that to Jesus. I need to trust that he will meet this person in a place and in a way that is healthy, um, in a way that they need. And I don't have to meet all those needs myself. I need to trust God to do that instead.
0: Mm, That's good. That's great. That's a beautiful way to see that from that perspective. Okay, let's go to the next question. This is from my mom, Candy. I cannot wait to hear this question. Um, She says
1: Yes, Ren, I had a question about birth order and does it possibly play into a person's Enneagram type? You know, like sometimes a firstborn can act like a one. I was just curious about that. I loved this question because I am a total birth order geek, and Mm -hmm. I think it is fascinating how that plays into our personality, our temperament. And I think the short answer is yes, it can have an impact on our Enneagram type. Mm -hmm. And not to go too deep into Enneagram theory, but Enneagram really does allow for a lot more of the nurture aspect of what our personality looks like, than okay. just the nature. Okay. So you often hear the question, you know, is my personality like it is because I was born that way, or because of my upbringing and mm-hmm. um, you know my life experience? And the truth is, it's really both. Okay. There is it is proven and very you know sensible that we're born with the temperament, we're born with the personality but then all those life experiences factor in and our caretakers and the way that they shaped and formed us impacts things. So all that to say, absolutely our birth order will impact it. Um, I cannot tell you exactly how I haven't done enough study actually to be able to tell you which types might emerge. Mm. I think Candy's got a great point that the one could very well be. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my firstborn is a one. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think there is that and, and possibly maybe the six. Okay. You know, how um, there the sixes tend to look more at the we mm-hmm. than the me.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: I think possibly an eight could, mm-hmm. you know, maybe mm-hmm. have some more of those firstborn tendencies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is really fascinating to think about, and I think the answer is definitely yes.
0: Yeah, okay, okay, good, 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 good. Okay, another listener had a question, uh, and she said, are there any jobs that a specific Enneagram type shouldn't do, should not do?
1: I would have to say possibly on this one. I don't think, of all the things that Enneagram is really terrific for, it is not a good career Assessment. Okay. It's not good for hiring. You know, mm-hmm. if we have any HR folks out there, do not use this as a hiring assessment because okay. um, our jobs tend to be aptitude based and they tend to be impacted more by our outward behavior. Okay. And Enneagram really measures more of our inward motivations mm. and okay. our mechanisms. Mm. So, I think possibly there are some things we can say about um, certain employment situations. Um, For example, I don't think a seven should ever be in a job where they have to do something that is highly routine.
0: Yes, like counting money over and over and over and over. That would not be good.
1: Exactly. Not a good thing. Mm -mm. A two should not have to do something that never involves working with people. Right. Right. On the other hand, a five should never probably be in a situation where they have to work with people on a really surface level on a daily basis, Mm. you know, um, because that a lot of surface human interaction is going to be extremely taxing for a five.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, you know, now if you put a five in a situation where they can be a, a therapist or a counselor, Mm -hmm. And they're able to investigate and go deeply into a situation with someone that might be a different situation. So it's not as cut and dried to look at Enneagram for that, but can still probably offer us some good insights about a job that a person would or wouldn't enjoy.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. Talking about the internal, what's going on inside, that that's what the Enneagram is really looking into. That's great. Okay. Here's another, we've got three more questions. Okay. Okay. Um, here's the next question a listener had. Uh, they said, which Enneagram types would struggle in a marriage relationship more Hmm. and which ones make the best matches typically?
1: Well, this is such a terrific question and I wanted so much to have some really pat answers. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought it really depends on the level of health of the individuals in the mirror. sure. Okay. More than it depends on the types. Mm. So um, while I do think maybe there are some potential compatibilities if you have two healthy types, um, for example, I think fours and sevens could be kind of really good for each other and make for kind of a, a a growth potential in a marriage. Um, I think that may not be an easy marriage necessarily. Mm. um, But I do think that there could be a good potential for both those people growing a great deal if they're both healthy. Mm. Honestly, I think, and you can tell me this ones and sixes Mm. would be very compatible in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I don't know that twos and eights could be very compatible in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. They can be incredibly and terribly destructive, though, to each other if they're not healthy. Right. So I think it really does depend. Do we have two healthy people Mm -hmm. here?
0: That's good. That's good. Because I could see... Yeah, it goes back to health and unhealth for sure. Because I think before the Enneagram, before I really knew a lot about Jim's one personality, I didn't really know what he was going through or the thought processes he had. I just thought he thought like I did. Yeah. So it was just like, you know, it was a gender thing. And then it also was a totally different personality thing. So now that we know the Enneagram and understand it, yes, and understand each other. Yes. I think are I think we're very, we're highly compatible. Yes. In the beginning, I I would say 2000 Ren would not say that. 2013, uh, <laughs> 19 Ren would say that, you know, I can yes. about yes. it, but it, it does. It's, it's all about health and unhealth and understanding and empathizing with that person.
1: That is like, exactly what I would say. Those yeah. are the two keys, yes. you know, because two broken people don't make a hole. They right. make a hospital, you know, So it really is important in any marriage for the individuals to really work toward health in their type and understanding of each other. And that, I think, can build a healthy marriage with any type.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay, what did you just say? You just said, I think you cut out on when you said two broken people doesn't doesn't make um, one whole person.
1: Right. Two broken people don't make a whole. They make a hospital. You know, and that's I think, it. That, yeah, mm. a lot of times we feel like, you know, this person will fix me, especially if we think I'm going to marry this person because they do all these great things and their behavior and their type is what's great. Mm. Even though I'm not healthy, you know, doesn't matter what types you have there. That scenario is not going to be good.
0: So Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's real good.
1: Okay. Here's
0: a really fun question a listener had. She said, which Enneagram type is more prone to be a morning person versus a night owl?
1: Again, I thought this was such a provocative question. I love this thought. Um, And it forced me to evaluate that because I had never really thought of that. But here's what I came up with. And believe me, I'm sure there are going to be some Contrary, you know, back out there, Um, there always is an exception. But I kind of thought morning people might be eights, Mm. ones,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: twos, Mm -hmm. threes, and sixes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can see the threes. Yeah. And ones and see, Yeah. Yeah. There you go, girl. So <laughs>
1: yeah. Are you a morning person? Um, a no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not.
0: I think I'm a little <laughs> bit more, uh, with my wing of seven, it makes me kind of a little bit more laid back. I think,
1: okay.
0: yeah, so, uh, uh, definitely, um, not, you know, a night out, but I, or not a morning person, but my husband Jim is, he is a definitely uh, a wake up, get it, get up and go. So it's yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, my husband is an eight, and I mean I have marveled at him because the alarm goes off and he is instantly out of bed. Yeah. him is too. What in the world? <laughs> never... I'm like, you have to push snooze at least once. Come on, people. <laughs> I am a morning person, but I do not jump out of bed quite that quickly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's interesting. So, I like so it. So I think the nines, the sevens, the yeah. fours, and the fives
0: uh-huh.
1: quite potentially are night. Yeah. Nails. Yep. Okay. So yeah. I'd love to do you know like a survey of your listeners to see if that's true or not. I don't, I'm sure we can't do that, but
0: no, I, I can do it on Insta Stories. That would be really interesting. Yes. I, I could do that. That would be good. I think I oh, should. Oh, that's do that. great. That'd be fun. I'll do that. Yeah.
1: Week. Be fun.
0: So good. Okay, I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, that a listener sent in about what type enneagram type is more of a loner. Uh, that doesn't have to be around people? And what is the type that loves to interact with people? And I think I know the answer to this question, but tell us, what do you think?
1: Well, I think there are some obvious ones. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the time, fives are going to be more introverted. Okay. Um, and that, that meaning they need to be alone to recharge. Mm-hmm. They do their best thinking when they're by themselves. Um, You know, so I I think we're pretty safe to say that fives, for the most part, would probably consider themselves introverts. Mm -hmm. Um, I think twos most often would consider themselves extroverted, Mm -hmm. although I'm a two and I'm not a strong extrovert. I definitely appreciate my alone time. Mm. Um, you know, sevens, I would say most likely are more extroverted, Mm-hmm. But not necessarily. I have a good friend who's um, a seven, and she is she is extremely introverted. Mm-hmm. And it actually surprised me that seven was her number. So yeah. I haven't yet had the opportunity to really study. Um, the Enneagram with introversion, extroversion. Mm. It's very interesting because if you remember, we talked about where did Enneagram come from? Well, it came from the Bedouin tradition and philosophy versus the Greek philosophy mm. and Greek philosophy really dealt a lot more with introversion, extroversion and categorized things a lot more that way. Mm. Um, Enneagram does not. It doesn't take those things into factor really at all. So okay. okay, it's really interesting. So I think we can pretty well have types in just about every every one of these, you know, introverted, extroverted, in any one of these nine types.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Anything else you want to add about the Enneagram that we maybe have not covered or anything like a recap thought that you had about the Enneagram and how we can use it in our lives?
1: I think Enneagram is one of the best tools out there for a person who is struggling with um, maybe habitual sin or with, trying desperately to understand why they keep repeating patterns. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really tremendous tool for coaching. Um, So I want to encourage your listeners that if they feel like they're stuck, you know, in a behavior or they're stuck in a pattern of thought that isn't healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, find somebody who gets Enneagram and talk through those things because there really is tremendous growth potential. Um, there's some really great, uh, podcasts out there. Mm -hmm. Of course you do have to be careful. We've talked about Suzanne Stabile. We've talked about Ian Cron. Uh, Ian Cron has typology, but he also has the road back to you with Suzanne Stabile. Mm -hmm. Um, She has her own podcast, Mm -hmm. but there really are some terrific tools out there for people to listen and to just ponder and think about Mm -hmm. how this tool can help them.
0: That's great. That's so good. Those are great things. And I think that's great that we can use the Enneagram as a tool in our life to understand our family members and our friends and coworkers around us and how we can you know, learned how the gospel can transform us, that we don't just stay in the negative, the unhealthy side of our number, that we can, um, there's growth there and the gospel does transform us. And I think that's great. And and you do also one-on-one coaching. And so if there is someone that is interested that, you know, this has been enlightening for them, the series, tell us where we can find you and the new venture that you are starting um, soon.
1: Yes, I um, would love to talk to any of your listeners who feel like, you know, they would like to ponder this a little bit further. Um, Michelle at teaminsights.org is my email address. I am also launching a new website here in the process of that called Enneamom.com. We're really going to focus on the Enneagram and looking at our parenting through the lens of the Enneagram. To see what we can learn about ourselves, learn about our marriage, learn about our kids. Yeah. So it really be a, will be more of a family focus. And they can reach me at Michelle with one L at anyamom.com if they would like to, you know, pursue a little bit of coaching or just need to understand more or have some other tools for growth. So would love to hear from any of them that need that.
0: That's great. I think that is gonna be. Um, a huge thing and a huge help and a huge need that there is out there. So I think that's going to be great for Christian women to contact you. And all of this will be in the show notes uh, at wrenrobbins.com. And I just want to say thank you so much, Michelle, for this incredible series. You have been so helpful, helpful in the enlightening of all the things that have to do with the Enneagram. I now feel so much more confident in knowing Uh, the people that I'm around every day and how I can speak life into them and encourage them. So I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast this summer for all these incredible episodes.
1: It has been so much fun, Ren. And honestly, I have learned with you. I think that it has been just great to have the opportunity to use this tool in such a great and helpful way, hopefully. So thank you for letting me be here with you.
0: It's been great. Okay, so y'all go find her at anyamom.com. You are going to love those resources that she is going to get in your hands. And I would love to hear if you love this episode or any of the other episodes of this summer podcast series on the Enneagram, if you would go to your podcast app and do a review for the podcast, I would love that. Thank you so much Michelle. This has been
1: awesome. Thank you, Bren. It's been great fun. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Okay, that's going to do it for this summer podcast series on the Enneagram. I have loved every minute of it, and I want to thank Michelle again for coming on the podcast each and every week to discuss and encourage us in learning about our Enneagram types. And thank you for listening through this summer podcast series, whether you were going to the pool or on vacation or just hanging out, cleaning the house. I appreciate you listening. You're the best. I have some friends' stories coming up on the podcast this fall that you will not want to miss. Next week, I have invited the Story & Soul girls from Story & Soul Weekend to come on and talk about their ministry. I also have Micah Hunter, Donna Gaines, Jill Atogwe, and Claire Richardson. And in the middle of those, I am adding my 100th episode. Y'all, can you believe it? So I've got some special things coming up for that. Remember, you can always find me at wrenrobbins.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Friends of a Feather Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, we're all Friends of a Feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friend.